I spilled coffee on my slacks this morning. Carolyn said it won't matter. They're just the right color. She said it'll probably dry anyway, and it did. I said, what if it doesn't? She said, tell them you held a baby this morning. I said, no, I, I couldn't do that. Uh, but it is a great weekend, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot going on this weekend. Today is the first day of summer. You know, feels good, doesn't it? We got summer here. Uh, great weekend. Yesterday was our anniversary. We are now married. We are now married uh, 18,268 days, uh, 51 years, and uh, we were married on June 20th. I often say, Carolyn and I were married on June 20th, and the next day was the longest day of the year. <laughs> but, the, but not just for one of us, for both of us, you realize <laughs> it's a great weekend. It's Father's Day. Father's Day. I love Father's Day and I love Mother's Day. Someone has said that uh, uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day is a day that's created by the greeting card companies to, so they can make more money and so we can feel more guilty. Uh, but it's Father's Day. How, how many fathers are here? Let me see. Good. Stand up, will you? Men, stand up. Stay on your feet because we want to look at you. We are glad you're here this morning. And uh, I think that uh, fathers are important, as important as mothers, obviously. Um, I think the beauty of it is uh, God allows us to call him father. So God is our pattern. And uh, uh, we want to be good fathers. Uh, I would like if you would bow with me and let me pray and thank God for these men. Heavenly Father, we do thank you today uh, for all of the men and women and children in our church. But today is a day to celebrate fathers. And you have given to us men a, a unique opportunity to come before you, to bring children into the world, and to impact those children. And it is true that in this life, we will never be the perfect father that you are. We thank you for the perfect pattern. And we thank you today, Father, that you have given us an opportunity to look into the scriptures and see what kind of father you are so that we, too, can be men who can copy that. Of course, Father, we have made mistakes. But we thank you today, Father, that you've given us the opportunity to sometimes influence our children. Sometimes we have to sit down with them and ask them to forgive us because we've made a mistake. Sometimes, Father, uh, they are able to see Christ in us 
and at other times perhaps not. But we want the times that they see Christ to be more and, and more frequently and more often. And so, Father, we thank you today that we may be dads today. We ask you to take our lives, to use them to honor the Lord Jesus and to bless our wives and our children. And we ask you, Father, to use us in ways that will impact young people for the rest of eternity. Thank you for every one of these men. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for their their love for you and their willingness to, to be here and stand and say, I'm a dad and I'm proud of it. So God, I pray that you will bless every one of them in their families, in their jobs and careers, in their church, and minister to them. And we will thank you today for it, Father. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated, men. I think sometimes we come to church on Mother's Day and the pastor preaches about mothers and he extols the role of the mother and he says that the mother should be encouraged and praised and uh, that the mother is the most important person in the family and they're encouraged and they, they walk out of here and they feel great. Then we come to Father's Day, and the fathers are made to feel like they can't measure up. So the preacher gets up and preaches on some perfect father in the scriptures and uh, shows us where we are blowing it. And uh, today, I would just like to have fun. Is that okay? Can we just have some fun? Now, we'll do it at the dad's expense to some extent, but... uh, But I would like to just have some fun, although we will say some serious things. I want to say to you women and you young people and children here today, I want to give you a man's thesaurus. In other words, I want to tell you when a man says something, what does he really mean? Okay? You'll recognize some of these sayings. Because you've heard them before. So here's the first one. When a man says, it would take too long to explain that. What he really means is, I have no idea how it works. (laughs) When a man says, I love this one best of all. When a man says, take a break, sweetheart. You work too hard anyway. What he really means is I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. (laughs) When a man says, it's a a guy thing. It's a guy thing. You wouldn't understand. It's a guy thing. What he really means is that there's no rational thought pattern to this at all. (laughs) When a man says, you know how bad my memory is, What he really means is, I can remember the theme song to Hogan's Heroes. I can remember the phone number of the first girl I ever kissed. I remember the VIN numbers of every car I've ever owned. But oh yeah, I forgot your birthday. (laughs) I like this one. When a man says, 
I can't find it. How many of you women have heard that? I can't find it. What he really means is, it didn't fall out of the sky into my outstretched hand, and I'm clueless. <laughs> when a man says, honey, you look terrific, what he really means is, oh, please don't try on another outfit. <laughs> when a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are. Carolyn is smiling. (laughs) When a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are. What he really means is, nobody will ever see us alive again. (laughs) When a man says, I don't think I can do that today. What he really means is, shopping isn't a sport yet. (laughs) When a man says, I don't remember saying that. What he really means is, anything I have said six months ago is inadmissible in a court of law. And when a man says, that's not what I meant, what he really means is, if something I said could be taken two ways, and one of them hurts you or makes you cry, I meant the other way. So I was thinking, what should I say today? Because I knew I wasn't going to get a full-blown sermon. I had one, outline and everything. But I thought to myself, what is it I would want to know as a man? What is it I would want to know as a dad? And maybe what is it that if I know it, it would impact my children and my grandchildren a little better. And what I came up with is something that fits us as men, but it fits all the women as well. And some of you young people will be struggling with some of these things, but we'll try to give you some answers. So there are four things I would like to talk about today. The first thing I think I have to know, and the thing that we constantly ask ourselves is, Who am I? Who am I? And that's a question that we have difficulty figuring out sometimes. Because sometimes the way we look, we can't figure out who we are. Sometimes the way we act, we can't figure out who we are. Sometimes I look like that, and I'm saying to myself, Who am I? And... uh, But I would take you to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And if you're in a community group and and still running community group, I put one question out for you this week. I put out, uh, read Ephesians 1, discuss Ephesians 1, and write down all that you find in Ephesians 1 that you are before God. And I listed 25 numbers. There may be a little more, there may be a little less, depending on your view, depending on what translation you're using. But Ephesians 1 tells me who I am. For example, it tells me that I'm chosen. It tells me that I'm holy. It tells me 
that I'm blameless. It tells me that I'm predestined. It tells me that I'm adopted. But here's the phrase I love best of all. In chapter 1, verse 6, he says that I am to the praise of the glory of his grace. I am to the praise of the glory of his grace. In verse 12, he says that I am to the praise of his glory. In verse 14, he says the same thing again. He says that I am to the praise of his glory. I am, who am I? I am to the praise of God's glory. Oh, does that blow me away or what? And if I am the praise of God's glory, shouldn't that impact everything that I say, everything that I do, every place that I go, every handshake that I make, every look into the eye that I have should be dictated by the fact that I am to the praise of God's glory. That's amazing to me. And I don't want to spend, listen, especially if you're younger, don't try to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out who you are. If you come to Jesus and you get redeemed and you read Ephesians 1, you will know who you are. And if you are constantly trying to figure out who you are, then you will ultimately begin trying to prove who you are to everybody else and maybe in some unhealthy ways. So discover it. And when I read Ephesians 1, I have all the reason to rejoice and feel good about myself. Because it tells me who I am. The second question that I want to know is, whose am I? Whose am I? And that's an important question for us to face. Because we are, you have to understand, you are one in a bunch. Now, this is just one in five, but you have to understand that You are a person in an entire world and God reached down and chose you. That's what Ephesians says. He chose you. We didn't choose him. He chose us. And in chapter 1, verse 14, we are told that we are God's own possession. And that phrase... In Ephesians 1 is the phrase that years ago caused me to get up and the first words out of my mouth to my Lord in the morning is, God, I want you to own me today. My desire is that you own me today. Now, there are a few times when I've I've taken myself back, but then I have to give myself back to God. That happens to all of us. But we are God's. We are his possession, and he owns us. And because we know 
who we are, it dictates to us a little bit about how we feel about ourselves and where we are going when, when we know whose we are. I think that when a man and woman knows he or she is created by an almighty God and redeemed by a loving Savior, they live a different kind of life than those who don't know that. So first of all, who am I? I'm to the praise of God's glory. Whose am I? I am God's own possession. The next question that I want to know is, why am I here? Why am I here? See this, this isn't this great. Now there's a dog who knows why he's here. Um, we have to ask ourselves, why am I here? Why did God put me on the planet? Uh, the Bible tells me he knew me before I was ever born. So why did God, the Bible tells me he chose me before there were any people on the earth even, before the foundations of the earth. So I want to know, why am I here? And I would give to you Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, those verses that you know so well, that we are here to present our bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which becomes a reasonable service. That we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, we grow more in Christ. I want to know what my role is in life. Why was I put on the earth? Was I put here just to find myself, to express myself, fulfill myself? Or was there a higher, nobler reason for me to be here? And then lo and behold, I found out I should give my body to him. And I have to tell you that when I came to know Jesus, the pastor gave me Romans 12, 1 and 2. And... Um, so I started memorizing, and then I would go home, and my dad would beat me up, and I would end up being bloody. And suddenly I thought to myself, why is it I give my body to God? He doesn't seem to do a very good job with it. And then I discovered one day that God said, I want you to shepherd people. And I will never forget going to this little church. And my office was just off the, the, the platform. And there were no carpets or anything like that. And I'm sitting in my office one day. And I hear these steps coming up. And um, a knock on my door. And I open the door. And here stands this little girl, 15 years old who'd just been beaten up by her daddy, and she said, I'm leaving home, and I'm never coming back again. And suddenly I realized why God put me on the planet and why he let me go through what I went through. Because I had something to say. 
The result is we have to discover why we are here. We have natural talents. We have spiritual gifts. And, and here's another important thing. We have to keep our priorities straight. All of my ministry life, I have said, here's my priority. God first. I want to make sure at the beginning of every day that me and Jesus are okay. I want to make sure at the end of every day that me and Jesus are okay. I want to make sure a hundred times in between that me and Jesus are okay. Then my next priority is my family. Just last week, there was an important meeting that I needed to be at, but it was on Thursday night. And Thursday night is our date night. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I can't come to that meeting. But I went home and talked to Carolyn. And she said, we could do date night on Friday night. So I went to the meeting on Thursday night. But family has always been my second priority. Ministry has never been my first priority. I love it. I eat it. I drink it. I sleep it. But my first priority is Jesus. My second priority is family. And maybe some of you men and women may be struggling with that. Maybe you've got that out of, out of kilter and you need to put profession or job in the last place. Well, here's the last thing. I want to know who I am. I want to know whose I am. I want to know why I am here. And the last thing is I want to know where I'm going. Where am I going? It's obvious that we all have a future. Don't you love this? A flying beagle. Now, there's a dog that's going someplace. I don't know whether he knows where he's going, but he is definitely going. And I would give to you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it looks like this. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. This perishable will put on the imperishable, and this mortal will put on immortality. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. I, I, I remember Job, poor, beleaguered Job, suffering in darkness and pain. And, and sitting there with sores all over his body. In chapter 19, he says this, As for me, I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on earth. Even after my skin, all these sores, even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God whom I myself will behold with my eyes and shall see. And then he says, my heart faints within me at the thought of it. So, who am I? I am to the praise of God's glory and a whole bunch of other things from Ephesians 1. Whose am I? I am God's own possession. Why am I here? I am here to present it all to God so that he can change it through the renewing of my mind 
and I can honor him. And where am I going? I'm going to heaven. I'm confident of it. And I've gotten to the age where I'm really looking forward to it. But you know what? All four of those questions can be answered with one word. Jesus. Because he's the one that gives us the answer to every one of them through his death, burial, and crucifixion. As his death and burial and resurrection, I mean, is that which brings us to the place where we know who we are and whose we are, uh, why we're here and where we're going. And you are about to step to the communion table and celebrate that one thing that gives you the answer to all four of those questions. And I think the beauty of it is, is that you can do that as a family. You might even explain to your child what you're doing and why you're doing it. And in the process, you teach them the gospel. So I would like you to take a moment and pause and talk to God so that you are prepared with a clean heart to go to the table. Let's bow together and pray briefly, please. Take a moment. Talk to God. Paul tells us to examine ourselves. So take a moment and do that. Our Father, we thank you today that we can know who we are. That we can know we belong to you. That we can know why you've put us here. And that we can know, Father, that we have eternal life set in concrete and nobody, no thing can take that away from us. And we recognize this morning that it's because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. So maybe, Father, there will be some of us that will go to the table and say, thank you, God, for letting me know today who I am. Some might say, thank you, God, for letting me know why I'm here. And God... We thank you for our Redeemer. We pray that as we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection this morning, that we will do it with clean hearts, with clean hands, and that you will be honored in the process. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.